Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. That's what cultural, cultural Christianity says we are to do. That is work hard to get to heaven. Um, sadly, sometimes in church after church, evangelical Christians feel like they have to work hard to get to heaven too. What I want us to see today from this passage in Matthew chapter 19, if you want to turn there, it's going to be our text for today, is this, this discourse back and forth between Jesus and this uh, rather, rather wealthy young man. Uh, that goes back and forth, who has this same concept, and so do his disciples. If this guy doesn't get in, who gets in? If this guy's kept the law, he's kept, kept the commandments, he's kept the rules, he's not a rule breaker. Let's look at this text together, Matthew 19, verses 16 to 30. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good? About what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With people. This is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We left everything to follow you. What then will be there for us? Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Great, great lessons to answer this question of why being good isn't good enough. Why my, my, my striving on my best day, my best effort, still falls short of the glory of God and of, of, of my worthiness to know him, to follow him, to inherit eternal life, to enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's look at four things from this text today about being good. Uh, first of all, let's, let's turn to Matthew chapter 12. I want you to see a, a, a description and some perspective here before we get into this text. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 says this. Make a, good, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. What is he saying? 
He's saying that it's the fruit that points to the tree, not the tree that points to the fruit. It's the fruit that says the tree is fruit bearing. The tree is worthy. The tree is right. The tree is good. Not the other way around. And so I want you to bear that in mind as we look at this text today about being good. Being good, first of all, is not a question of quantity. It's not a question of quantity. Look at 16 to 19 with me again. He says there, just as a man came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, what, what, what good thing, singularly, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. One good thing. What, what, one good thing must I do? Uh, and that's, he's asking, how many commandments do I have to keep to get in, to inherit eternal life? Now, verse 18, Jesus sees his heart. And he sees his motive there, what, what he's asking about. It's this idea of self-gratification. And he just starts to reel them in with, with, with the discourse that's about to follow. Because he had likely vi violated uh, commandments 1 through 4 and commandment 10. What Jesus points out here to him is commandments five through nine. Jesus, knowing his heart, says, I know that you're good on these four. So I want to, I want to reel you in with these four that you've conquered pretty well and, and tell you the rest of the story. Here's the lesson in that. Trying to be legalistic with the king of the universe will never get you in a good place. Trying to be legalistic with the king who knows all, who wrote it all, who spoke it all into existence is never a good a good place to be. In fact, it's a hole you'll never dig out of trying to walk down that road. Why? Because verse 17 says we can never be good enough. Never be good enough. There's never a, a, a standard measure where, gee, and most of our, most churches, church after church this morning, this meeting for worship, most folks sitting in pews and chairs and seats and are on logs or wherever they're meeting today think that in their mind. If the good outweighs the bad, they still do. Many who have trusted Christ as their Savior and invited Christ into their heart still have this concept. If the good outweighs the bad, I'm okay, aren't I? If I've done more good, at the end of the story, if I've done more good things than bad, God will like me, love me better, let me in, give me a better seat. And we never find that in Scripture. In fact, Jesus speaks against that here to this young man. So uh, this, this idea of our being good is, is, is a pipe dream. He, Jesus said in response to him here, there's only one who is good. And that's to say, that's the Father. There's only one who is good. It's not this idea of quantitatively thinking out how, how, how it's not a question of how much, in essence, as is his response to this guy. It's not a question of quantity. Secondly, being good is a position of perfection. It is a position of perfection. Look at 20 to 22 with me. He says, Listen, all these I've kept. Jesus points out, here's, here's five through nine of the commandments. He, he responds, All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Here again, Jesus reels him in, verse 21. If you want to be perfect, Go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus ties goodness here to perfection, to, to completeness, to this disposition uh, of lacking nothing, that our life is full and complete, lacking nothing in, in a perfected state. Now, in doing that, he draws a clear line here between being good and doing good. Huge difference between those two things between being good and doing good, that line is just as clear between a cultural Christian and a devoted, fully devoted follower of Jesus. If you look, if you look deep enough, you'll see those lines to be 
to be clearer in our culture than they've ever been. And as I stand here today, uh, boy, if there were if there were a need for, for clarity on being good versus doing good, we need that in our culture because uh, there there is this concept of of, of our of our goodness, measuring our our worthiness to to know God, to, to enter heaven, to be with Him. Now, he draws a clear line between those two things. So we're made perfect, or made complete, made good in essence in this story, not by our deeds, but rather by the blood of Jesus. Our goodness. As the, as the father looks on us, he looks through the bloodstained lens of his son to see our goodness, to see our worthiness, to see our completion, to see our perfection, not, not based on anything we've done. I'm glad it's that way. I don't know about you. If it were based on my goodness, uh, first of all, <clears throat> I'm not very good. Secondly, I feel like I'd have to keep a ledger, don't you? I feel like I'd have to record things to say, when I stand before him one of these days, and he says, the good did not weigh the bad for you. Uh-huh, look here at my ledger. He says, son, I'm the ledger. And, and I, I'm so glad it's that way. I'm glad it, I, my goodness doesn't depend on, or, or my access to him and, and to heaven, to, to eternity, doesn't depend on, on my goodness or my, the deeds that I've done, but rather on the blood of Jesus. And we, we need to be grateful today as, as citizens of heaven that it's his, his blood that takes us there and gets us there. To a, to a position of, of perfection, of completeness, lacking nothing. Thirdly, being good is not a question of quantity. Being good is a position of, of, of perfection, but being good is not cultural, but spiritual. It's not cult, cultural, but rather it's spiritual. Look at 23 to 26 again with me. He says, he said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and said, asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Who then can be saved? This guy had it all together, and they knew it, and he knew it. He had it all together, yet he was falling short uh, because he had it all together culturally. He had it all together based on what people see and what they knew. Spiritually, he was wealthy, knew, knew, knew of his wealth and loved his wealth enough to walk away sadly because Jesus says, you want to you enter the kingdom? Sell all your possessions and come and follow me. And this good man, publicly, culturally speaking, on the surface, everything looked like it was together in his life. This good man walks away sad because he loves his wealth more than he loves Jesus. What, what a picture that is for us today and certainly in our culture. Uh, spiritually, however, he was empty. Culturally, he was full. When our faith is in the things we have or in the things we've done, we're going to come up short every time. We'll either find ourselves, one, ashamed at the judgment seat of Christ because we think life has been about us and not about others and we brought nobody with us. Or two, stand before the judgment seat, not being able to enter in because we don't know him as our Savior. So we'll either come, sadly, uh, come to him sadly because we just come by ourselves or we'll come to him without access to the to eternity at all because we've never prayed to receive Christ as our Savior. And he gets this. This, this, this rich young man gets this story and, and as, as, as you see, walks away in sadness. And the disciples don't get it. They're, they're kind of perplexed by this. Listen, this guy had it together. If there's anybody in anybody's life we, that our culture, the Jewish culture should point to and say, that's how to live. That's how to make it work between God and man. It's that guy. But Jesus, but Jesus here reveals, no, it's not. It's not what a man does. It's what's in his heart, or rather, who is in his heart, who, who he's trusting, who his faith is, pla is placed in. It's not cultural, it's spiritual. 
Being good is not a question of quantity. It's a position of perfection. It's not cultural, but spiritual. But finally, being good is a matter of understanding delayed reward. It's a matter of understanding delayed reward. Look at 27 to 30 with me again. Peter answered and said, we've left everything to follow you. What then will be there for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, he's talking about future things here, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. The many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. What's he saying? He's saying the reward is delayed here. Peter asked him, hey, we've left everything. We laid it all down. We left our, left our business. We left our family. We left the, the world we knew. We left everything behind to follow you. We, we, we've left all of it. Here, here's a great question from Peter that shows a little bit, at least a little bit of maturity on, on the guy that often puts his foot in his mouth, like me. He says, not what's, what's in it for me, but he says, what will be there for us? Peter starts to get it. He starts to understand this life is not about this life. It's about the next one. And what we do here is not about what happens here for our good, but for the glory of God in the next life, in the next world. So Peter starts to get it. I think he's starting to, to understand this concept of it's not about, about what men see here and know about me here and know about my example, my model, what, 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 the way I'm living my life, process, processing this world and making decisions. It's about what is there for me because I've left everything here to follow you. Will there be anything there for me? Great question he asked. It's not what's in it now, what's in it for me now. It's what's there for me tomorrow, then. Uh, it's this idea of delayed gratification, delayed reward is a hard concept to get. I, I worked on a horse farm a number of years ago. And from time to time throughout the year, there'd be projects that came up on the farm that I needed to hire some extra help for. And so in doing that, I usually would go to some college kids at, at church and say, hey, I need two or three kids at church to could you guys, you want to come work for a couple, two or three days and help me on a project, make a little extra money? Sure. So that, that happened one year and one summer and one of the, one of the guys that was with me extra work uh, at the end of the first day, I mean, they're, it's just hard, sweaty, outside physical labor. At the end of the day, he says, so where's our pay? I said, you don't get your pay till the job's done. You know, it's, not, it's not a daily pay kind of deal. When the job's complete a couple of two, three days from now, then you'll get paid. And he kind of looked at me like, but I've worked all day long. I've worked hard all day long. There should be some reward for me in this, shouldn't it? Yes, but the reward is coming. It's not here in your hand right now, and it won't be in your hand right now. I was afraid he wouldn't show up the next day, but he actually did because uh, he had, had a few hours invested. It hit, you know, didn't want to throw away, I'm sure. But it's just this idea of delayed reward, delayed gratification. And look at how eternal math works. Eternal math says those who sell out here he says in this passage, be rewarded a hundredfold there. I like that math. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't work out very good for me today, but those who sell out here, who find themselves willing to, to, to squeeze every ounce out of their life into the kingdom, those who sell out for me here will be rewarded a hundredfold there. Uh, eternal math, it, it works to our favor if we'll, if we'll start to see it that way. Uh, and, and not to mention the fact that we get this idea of living forever with a perfect savior, a perfect king, a perfect example, a perfect model. So being good is not a question of quantity, 
It's, it, is a, it is a position of perfection. Being good is not cultural but spiritual. Being good is a matter of understanding delayed reward that we, are, we walk in this world and work in this world for the world to come. So how do we, how do we sum up this as a synopsis? It's, it's this. I want you to get this before you leave. Goodness is not a means to an end, but rather it's evidence of a changed life. Goodness is not a means to an end. It is evidence, rather, of a changed life. We don't be good so what we, what we, we will receive for our goodness. We walk in goodness of faith and goodness of deed and goodness because our heart has been changed. And because our heart has been changed, we see that this world and our walk in this world is about what happens in the next one. We see that God is sowing in eternal things to us, uh, in us and through us, in, in, in and to the lives of others around us because of tomorrow and a thousand tomorrows after that. It's not about here. It's about there. Uh, whether it's blessings, eternal life, the favor of God, whatever, whatever the means to an end we think it is, it's not about those things. It's the evidence of a changed heart. Ruth Graham said in the 80s at a conference, it was her opinion that, that after all is said and done, about 80% of church members would find themselves lost as they stood before Jesus one of these days. I hope she's wrong, but I fear she's right. I know if, if we see God through a cultural through the lens of a cultural Christian, she's dead on. If we see him through the lens of a, a deeply devoted follower of Jesus, uh, I hope she's wrong about that. But the, if that's true, it's because cultural Christianity has put a veil over our eyes. If, if 80% of us will not be able to, to, to uh, find, the, find our way to the kingdom, it's because our eyes have been veiled spiritually. Now, how does this happen? Because we've connected doing good with being good. We've connected this, this, this idea of behavior matters. Our doing good gives us enough goodness to enter the kingdom of God. Many are content with, with, with the kingdom of, of their life or the, the, some of their life being summed up in the, in the sum of their pursuits. Many are good with that. That's not according to the scripture in this story we, we find today. So if you've realized there's got to be more to life than that, than the sum of your pursuits at the, at the end of the day, the sum of the things you've completed and done and all the good you've done. If you realize there's got to be more than that, than that, and this, this story with this young rich man uh, tells, us, tells that to be true today, he invites you here, just as he invited him there, to come give yourself away. Sell, sell your possessions and give to the poor and come follow me. Come give yourself away. He invites him to do that. So verse 30 tells the story about that. And he's saying there, he's inviting you, Jesus is, just as he invited him, he invites you to last place. He's inviting you to last place, not first place. He's inviting you to give yourself away and lose yourself at the foot of the cross. Why? Because there's where we find the worth of what's to come. There's where we find what's, how, how much tomorrow matters. What we do today matters for the kingdom. He's inviting you to last place. That doesn't fit cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity says, if I do good, I should be blessed. If I do good, my life should show it to others. There should be evidence of the fact that, that my life is working, my bills are paid, there are no problems in my family. <clears throat> I'm physically in good shape, life is working for me. If I do good, those things should follow my life, shouldn't it? Jesus said, not here. You want to follow me, find yourself in last place. That's where I want you. That's where I can get the most good out of you. That's where you, that's where you will show up the most and bear the most uh, evidence of the kingdom. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.